Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 180, a full turnaround for Monday, February 14th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him as On The Floor Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, yes. Uh, I, <laughs> I have been on the floor in the past. It has happened, and mostly in the render distance, we were talking about uh, snowboarding, skiing, and and winter sports in general. It's Winter Olympic season. Uh, neither Joel nor I is really getting that into it, but we've discussed our previous experiences. If you want to hear us talk about that for a little while, uh, you can get the extended conversation from patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, where signing up to be a patron gets you access to a special podcast feed that gets you the extended version of the podcast. Uh, speaking of which, it may be a good time to sign up because... Uh, patrons can look forward to our first monthly Minecraft audio hangout happening later this month. Keep an eye on the Discord for the details, folks who are in the Discord already, and that'll also be posted to the patron RSS feeds after it's been recorded. We are also happy to announce that we have confirmed a rescheduled date for Sliced Lime to be a guest on the Spawn Chunk. Sliced Lime is one of the Mojang employees, a Minecraft tech lead, and he's going to be coming on next week's show, February 21st, 2022. So we'd like to encourage people to try and send in emails if you want to have your question read on the show. Remember to keep any emails for that show short and on point and make sure that you put four sliced lime or something like that in the subject line so that we can flag that in our inbox for consideration to appear on the show. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? This week was the big one. I fought the dragon in the survival guide world. So the fight went pretty well. It was a, a pretty textbook fight. I overprepared as I am wont to do for the dragon, the wither. Most of the time I don't go in underconfident. Um, I tend to go in with, you know, slow falling potions and buckets of water and carved pumpkins for the enderman and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I had a pretty textbook dragon fight. There weren't really too many surprises. Didn't get knocked all the way up into the air. I got knocked across the arena more than above the arena so that wasn't too bad only looked at one enderman during the fight which i was quite happy with and then the end islands were pretty plain sailing i found my first end city quite quickly and uh it had an end ship so i was able to grab my first elytra from there flew to a neighboring one that was you know only a few chunks away and ended up coming away with a good handful of shulker boxes. I wasn't in a rush to go and get any more right away because we'll be back to the end, I'm sure, several times to discuss various other aspects of it. But it's nice to have reached that level at this point in the world. And now I can start flying around a little bit more, seeing builds from the air, exploring that way and moving resources around. So I think the next task is going to be scouting for or, you know, moving into a location for a base and having shulker boxes for that is going to be uh, a relief let me tell you oh man I, I can't even imagine trying to do what i'm doing right now on the citadel without shulker boxes like that mm -hmm. it's just it would be i don't want to say impossible but it would take three times as long for yeah, you've, sure you've got you've got to set up a like huge collection of build chests somewhere central and then build the world around you <laughs> effectively yeah, if, you, if you're not yeah. using shulker boxes and even then it saves you so much time running back and forth if you've just got the thing and you can just pop it off the ground and bring it with you and i imagine for newer players who are following along with my survival guide it's going to be a bit of a revelation if they haven't heard of what shulker boxes are but right. i'm certain that most people will know about them at this point or most people will have at least watched enough other YouTube folks playing Minecraft that they'll understand this is where portable inventory really kind of kicks off. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't done any of the kind of the sorting, color coding kind of stuff yet. And I'm really still in the process of gathering 
a decent stockpile of resources back at the automated storage area I built last week, but it's nice to have the future in mind at this point and uh, be be making strides in the survival guide world. I remember the first time that I used a shulker box. I had seen them on YouTube before, so I knew what they were. But once I was able to get one and use it like a few different times in game, you kind of grasp the convenience of it. Like you're yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay, this is going to change my life <laughs> in very, a, very good ways. A simple concept, but one that we, we sort of take for granted now. But for so mm-hmm. long, you really didn't have any solutions for more portable inventory other than get a horse, you know, or a donkey, I suppose, is the one that you can put a chest on. So yeah, it was it was genuinely fascinating to see the changes and, and see how players now use these for so many different things compared to previously where we just have to run back and forth you know chest minecarts or something like that in order to get everything where you wanted it to be so now that you've unlocked the end in the survival guide season two like do you are you gonna be spending more time in the overworld are you going to be kind of bouncing between the two I think I'm probably going to be spending a lot of time in the overworld just because that's where all of the stuff to do is. Like, I'm looking Mm. towards more stuff like automated farms now, just gathering blocks for different projects and trying to expand the potential for different build palettes. So really, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be spending a bunch of time in the overworld. I've earmarked a dripstone cave for a place that I want to build, like a more industrial feeling base, probably start working with you know, dripstone cauldron filling mechanics and and things like that. So that's probably the next stage. I do want to pick up a, um, I want to get a a place for a a mountain mine somewhere so that I can go looking for emerald ore and then do like a full comparison of where ores are in the world, like in terms of the new distribution graphic and everything. So I'm probably going to do a bit of that, maybe a bit of moss mining even, stuff like that. There's, There's all sorts of different options now that just having gotten the wings and the shulker boxes is going to make accessing those things a lot easier. I was just thinking that I I did a little bit of gameplay in the experimental snapshots in, you know, early game vanilla survival in 118 and found the traversing of the new terrain very challenging, especially the big caves where you can fall to your death or you just, if you get down there, it's just such a pain to get back out. Uh, But on the Citadel, we have Elytra and uh, I was able to fly around the new area. Uh, have you noticed the difference in in traversing like the 118 terrain now that you have wings? It's, yeah, it's, it's nice being able to fly through a lot of those like valleys that you now find created by some of the hillier terrain. And it's, yeah, it's, it's nice flying through like the jungle that's adjacent to my spawn area is a really good one to fly through because... I would have to pick my way through the terrain there or use the rivers a lot of the time and it felt like I wasn't really seeing what was in the center of the jungle because I was sticking to the low-lying terrain and the stuff that was easier to traverse. So there are a couple of jungle temples out there that I'd never spotted. There's a couple of things that I think is going to be easier to get through, get around, or spot like things that I wouldn't have noticed otherwise because it's a lot easier to just fly over the top of it. The thing that I noticed between my modded series and... The Citadel, where of course I have wings in one and, and in the other I don't, is just getting down off of things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you have to like slowly climb or like find the three block jump that you can do, and and I find that even just small things like five to ten blocks jumping off of a roof that I'm building on the Citadel, I often glide down and I don't even think about it. And yes. uh, the number of times my ankles have crunched 
<laughs> and I've had to eat some food in the in the in the modded series. It's just because like I you know I forget. I just autopilot, jump off the roof, and it's like, oh crap, that's ten blocks. I have to be careful here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the next thing on the slate for me for like quality of life stuff is really beacons. I think that uh, right. I need to, I need to get to the point where I'm like able to whip up a haste beacon and instamine like i've got all of the iron i've got iron for days now having built an iron farm a couple of weeks ago so i i really need to start thinking about when am i going to fight the wither introduce that whole side of things and at what point does it feel like it is overkill to jump to that straight away when we could still be chipping away at other little projects and i don't want to get to the point where i'm taking on projects that are bigger than i can handle because that's what leads to me burning out in this game. I like the slow and steady of Minecraft now. So I, I do think it's it's going to be interesting to put off the Wither fight for a while. But I think like with the dragon, I'm not going to rush into it and sort of take that at my own pace, really. I've got a question, and I could look this up, but I feel like ask the survival guy guy. It's probably the better <laughs> way to go. Um, I, someone brought this up on, on stream. They asked me why I'm building beacons with iron blocks. And the answer is just it's what i have availability uh, yeah yeah availability we've got an iron farm on the server everybody's got enough blocks for a beacon uh we've got b- blocks for several beacons actually um and a lot of the beacons that i set up in the meadows early on don't move like they're there to give you like a speed boost and a health boost and they're not the beacons that you use for mining they just kind of stay there mm-hmm. uh, so it didn't matter what they were built on but i had to uh tear down and build up a beacon a couple times in the last in the last week or so and in doing so, I always remove them from the bottom because you maintain at least haste one until you're, you know, up to a certain level. Um, but someone brought up like, why, why don't you use gold blocks to build yeah. your beacons? Because I have a gold farm on the server and very often I'm using gold to um, make golden carrots and whatever. And I was just like, that that's a good question. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm like, and I'm assuming that they meant that the gold blocks are softer, like they mine faster. Than, yeah, they do. Than, they have yeah. a, a slower, like a iron is a slower time to break than gold is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, you can, you can definitely whip up a beacon faster and tear it down faster with gold. I like, it's, it's a negligible difference. Like you're saving yourself maybe like 15 seconds or something right. really, in, in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, it, it is a little bit more of a pleasant experience. And I yeah I I don't tend to build them out of gold as much because I think iron just blends in more. It's a much more plain feeling block than gold yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. Um, and by that point you have so much iron you don't really know what to do with it. Whereas gold has a ton of other uses now. The majority of the gold I would get from a gold farm would probably just go straight to bartering it with piglins for eighteen other items. So I feel like I don't typically stockpile gold all that much. Although having said that, I'm now building with gold blocks in the building that's going to have my storage system because i want to get like a a woodsy almost elfin green and gold and birch wood kind of um structure going on there yes so i I think i'm i'm probably going to save most of my gold blocks that i've you know so far mined manually for that and i i'm not even thinking about a gold farm right now in the same sense that i'm not thinking about fighting the wither that stuff's going to come a bit later for me but yeah the, the beacon material thing like i I, I'm, I realize I'm the wrong person to be saying this, but don't build your beacons out of netherite <laughs> because it, it's about twice as long to mine as any other block out there. So yeah, gold is yeah. probably the, the best choice if a little bit, you know, it, it feels like you're flashing your cash around when you're building an amount, uh, building them out of gold. That or emerald, I guess, would be the other option. Yeah, I, I think I think emerald probably takes about the same amount of time to break as 
iron does but yeah it just the availability of it like you can you can farm mm-hmm. emeralds out of sticks at the end of the day and i feel like most people will end up doing that and and building a netherite beacon if they don't feel like farming iron from the villagers well speaking of iron uh i'm running low on iron on my olive fabric 5 series because i started adding automation uh i built a sheep farm uh, why a sheep farm? Because I finally found a material that I wanted to use in my modern build. Um, one of the things I'm trying to do is, of, co- of course, build with modded blocks. Like I'm trying not to use vanilla blocks in, in the modded series. And uh, one of the chipped uh, textures, which is made on the loom. So chipped is the block mod that you have to make all these different kind of tables in order to get different um, different blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wool block looked like that kind of like riveted metal. Um, it had like very, th- very thin striations in it. And so I'm using that to add like a modern second level to my, um, my house. And it was a heavy build stream. Like it's a lot of times on, on all of fabric five, I've been doing a lot of exploration. I've been trying to work through mod packs. And really what we did this past week was just go through the chip mod, look at the different blocks, try to figure out like what's a good modded block that's going to give us the look and feel that we want that isn't too close to vanilla. There were some nice blocks in there, but you're like, well, I can just, it just, it feels like spruce planks. Like I, I build enough with this. I would rather do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And one of the, my favorite, um, one of my favorite spruce plank blocks that they have is they have a, a spruce plank block that is just two planks on the one block. Yeah, And so it, mm-hmm. it looks like wide flooring, like really wide plank flooring, which is really cool. Uh, and um, unfortunately, you can't control the direction of it. So it's not like a log. You can, it, it, it just like planks, they point a certain direction. You're, you're yeah. kind of just stuck with that. Um, but luckily, the direction that I built the second floor actually is is goes along with the 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 wood That's so good. yeah so it it looks good it, it it accentuates the length of the the top block and um I also this is surprisingly the first time that I've built an automatic sheep farm we have sheep farms on the the citadel they're manual there's like a half dozen colored sheep all back at Dartmouth Meadows that you can go and shear if you want um and but no one's there to load the chunks so the sheep don't really replenish their wool that fast yeah uh the other thing is that we just use string to make wool and then dye it so that's where i get most of my my colored wool when i need it and honestly i don't use wool that much in minecraft it's usually carpet that i need for usually a technical project so yeah sure so i thought i don't know how many sheep i need i've got six i'll just put six in individual cells and set up the auto you know, sheep shearing thing, which is way easier than I thought it was going to be. Like I was envisioning a much larger contraption. I've tried to do this on my own a couple of times. And it, this time around, I got it quite simply um, with some help from a YouTube video. And unfortunately, I don't remember which one I watched, but there's lots out there. Was it um, just like observer facing into a grass block and then that mm-hmm. triggering a dispenser? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but it, it like it was... I don't know how many stacks in the course of a couple hours, nine, 12, like it was mm-hmm. bananas, like yeah. between the six sheep eating constantly and having everything lit up. Like it was a lot of wool. I just, I AFK'd before the stream just so, cause I wanted to have enough wool to build this thing on stream and not have to wait for those resources to come in while we were live. So, um, but it was a lot of fun and it was cool to see the sheep farm working like that and gave me an idea for a technical farm that I don't personally have on the Citadel, which I can't see myself using a lot of, but also 
now know I don't have to overdo it. Like one sheep of every color should be fine. If it's in an area that's loaded a lot, then we'll be golden. Don't have yeah. to worry about it. That's the sheep farm I have on the survival guide world. It's just built like into the hill next to my house. And so nice. I'm around there often enough that, yeah, the, 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 the chunks, if it's in the spawn chunks, like it's it in theory would be fine but the grass will only spread when a player is nearby so it's is the kind of thing where you do have to be around it a lot but it's been producing wool now for a couple of weeks when i've been logged into the world it's not like a server i'm not uh, there aren't people around constantly but i've got more wool than i need and i realize i need to build more with wool to sort of justify having it in the first place but i just have all 16 colors of sheep and I, I walk away with a different color bed every so often or, you know, some some carpet for a different <laughs> project. And setting that up early is just going to mean you have, you know, a lifetime supply of it pretty much. You don't you don't tend to run out of wool uh, ever at that stage. But yeah, I, I can agree with having a, a spider farm to, you know, if you've got cave spiders or something where you're bringing in a lot of string, you can substitute that pretty easily. It's just when it comes to dyeing it different colors that yeah. I find having the individual sheep farm actually really helpful. Because the dyeing doesn't work like glass. It works just one-to-one. -one. Yeah, like it's one-to-one. -one. You have to use a lot more dye than, than you would think. So, I mean, things like red are easy if you have a, a an iron farm. Then you've got poppies, you know, galore and or um, any of the two tall flowers. But then some of the more subtle colors it's harder to get like you'd have to have an ink farm and and lots of ink if you want black wool which is what i was using so um we it was it was tougher to um to sort out thankfully in modded there's a couple of different ways to get dyes like batania you can use like flower petals and a mortar and pestle to get dyes and so that that stuff was interesting i didn't do a lot of exploring of mod mechanics but i kind of like used some of my existing modded knowledge to kind of build in minecraft which was kind of a, a fun exercise Mm -hmm. is building modern in the modded playthrough helping kind of like <laughs> is, is it helping with the the sameness the repetitiveness of building medieval on the citadel like are you finding that refreshing yeah yeah 100 also um it, it, it's still a bit of a struggle because i am using spruce wood because that's what i have a lot of early yeah, game uh -huh. in minecraft so that i find a little bit repetitive but but other than that it's it's uh it's a nice break to kind of just like not have i think there's two things about the modded world one it's not permanent i'm not going to be spending forever there like i'm going to be playing through it until i get tired of it and uh or i've i've learned enough to speak more about modded here on the show um, the thing that I find troubling right now is that I'm getting a lot of lag issues with the modded playthrough and I, I'm, I'm not throwing any shade at all of Fabric 5. I am adding mods to try on my own to this pack, which could be conflicts. There could be, you know, they could be inefficient. They could be excluded from all of Fabric 5 for a very good reason. And then I'm just throwing them in there because I want to try them. So some of these lag issues could be my own, my own fault. Um, one mod I had to remove was, um, Oh, interactive portals or immersive portals. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Which very cool looking. Like you can yes. walk from the, the nether into the overworld and back and forth seamlessly. There's no yeah, load I, screen. You just kind I've, of walk right through. I've seen this one. It's mind blowing. It must be laggy as all get out. <laughs> I think it loads both places at once. Uh, yeah. So if mm -hmm. you're in render distance of your nether portal, then it's really chuggy. So the idea would be like, if you're going to use it, put your nether portal somewhere is not next to your base. Like mm -hmm. you'd have to have a way to get to it um but it it is it is a really cool effect um i just thought it would be fun to try but it just unfortunately was not the greatest but right now i mean i already have some technical issues with the computer and i don't know what's causing the problem so we'll we'll see how far it goes but 
Uh, it could be just the fact that I'm using a lot of modded blocks and I'm building with a lot of modded blocks. And I'm noticing that some of the mods that I've been using that are in the pack that are not added by me are not executed the best. So like I prefer chipped to chisel refabricated because they handle the blocks differently in terms of how the how Minecraft sees them. So yeah. things like, you know, pick block don't work on the chisel refabricated, whereas that does on the chip blocks. So like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is is helpful. Um, but also kind of speaks to like how well or not well the mod is constructed. So I, and I don't know whether that affects performance, but right now, not the best. I've also heard that fabric is not the best for large mod packs. It's better for smaller, more concise mod packs. Whereas I guess forge is better at handling like the kitchen sink packs and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but that's just. That's just stuff I found on Reddit. I don't know how how true or that is because <laughs> yes, I don't yeah. I don't I don't play on I don't play on Forge. So, um, but on the Citadel, speaking of uh, medieval stuff, I did spend one stream on the Citadel doing medieval building. Nothing crazy. Uh, just at that stage where I'm moving west and I'm going to be going past the parade square. But before I did that, I wanted to make sure I finished up the buildings that I had done just to the east. Like rather than leaving stuff half finished, I'm trying to not not do that. And one of the houses was where I had set up. That's where I had my shulkers and my anvil and my bed and all that kind of stuff. And so I emptied that out and it was just an empty shell. So I turned that into like a warehouse building, um, stacked some blast furnaces on top of each other to make it look like some metal boxes and stuff. It kind of worked out well. Um, added a staircase, added some stairs inside, um, some lower level stuff. But the the big change happened with a, a building that had a tower on the outside of it. And the tower just felt out of place. It just, the, the house wasn't big enough to have a tower. The tower was blending in with the walls around it and the view of the town coming in from the main road. So I removed it and I added the staircase to the upper level of the house outside of the building and then thought to myself, why have I never done this before? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a fairly obvious thing. The, you know, your bedrooms are upstairs and your living area is downstairs, but Minecraft doesn't give you a lot of room. When you want to add a staircase, you lose a huge chunk of your space yeah, to adding really this big do. staircase, you know? And and the alternative is like a ladder or something. And you're like, yeah. you wouldn't want people to have a ladder in their home like this. Like it, it might be more practical for the space, but this is also like you wouldn't have a staircase taking up two thirds of your house with like one meter thick walls you know exactly like, there's some spatial geometry in minecraft that just doesn't allow for what feels like a more realistic thing for us when we're used to living in houses that just have stairs yeah so i added the staircase uh but it, it was a nice lesson in that like i built a tower i liked the way that the tower used up the space between the houses but I really didn't like the tower. And after a while, I just stopped fighting with myself and said, like, look, you've redesigned this tower like three times. Tear it down. Just replace mm -hmm. it with something else. Remove it entirely. Stop staring at it and thinking. Just remove it and see what you can come up with. And came up with a, a solution I was quite happy with. It also changed um, the roof design of the, of the the house a little bit because uh, I wanted a small landing in the porch at the top of the stairs, which means I extended the roof to cover it and that then added a fun feature so the roof doesn't look like every other roof in the neighborhood it has a different profile to it so that worked out really well and then on sunday was a really fun stream uh something that i was looking forward to uh way back in december uh the lovely people that support me on twitch um brought me to 200 subs which was a goal and the reward for that goal was a tour of the citadel uh and all of the builds or as many of the builds that i have done on the citadel 
over the four years that we could get to. The only thing we didn't bother with was, of course, the town of West Hill, which I've been in for the last year. Yeah. Uh, so like any, anybody seen that's seen a stream. <laughs> yeah. People that have seen a stream, they've seen they've seen the town because I've been walking around it for months. Um, however, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, my server mate and friend Alistair McFly joined me, uh, also a, a, a member of the Spongebunk community. So shout out to Alistair. Um, and we just had the nice, we had a nice conversation, really great to do a tour with somebody else, you know, like to not have to monologue the whole time, uh, and just talk about builds. We started off with my log cabin in the meadows, talked about the reason why my farms and, and everything started springing up around the meadows, uh, moved on to bigger redstone farms, bigger builds, a couple of texture pack conversations that we had, uh, building things based on Lego, getting down to Southport and the modern city briefly uh, and spending a lot of time in the nether looking at like the nether tunnels and the nether hub and like what that was like to build early game. Um, really interesting to look back and realizing like what choices you would make differently now that we have different block palettes. Um, walked into, uh, did see a couple of builds from friends. Uh, Maccast has a huge creeper shrine that we, we walked into because it was next to the creeper farm that I built. Uh, and he used a lot of blackstone quite effectively, I might add. And, uh, I was sitting there surprised and I had to make sure I was, I was clear. Like, I'm not surprised that Matt Cass built something that looks good. I'm surprised that I like blackstone so much in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it was cool to see all that kind of stuff. And a lot of my builds, uh, now are obviously like incorporating deep slate and tough and even just looking back at some of the things I did early game thinking like, man, this could really use some updates, not letting myself do it. I'm not going back and changing anything, but uh, it was really cool to go back and, and check that out. So I'll have that VOD up on the Joel Duggan VOD YouTube channel uh, either today or tomorrow. And um, for people that are new to my streams or new to my content, uh, while there are some let's play videos on my regular YouTube channel, which is just my name, Joel Duggan, uh, this would be an excellent kind of like jumping on board point to find out like what Joel has done. Uh, things that I might have even mentioned on this podcast. If you've listened to the archives, you've heard me talk about the modern city before. You can see us kind of take a brief spin through the modern city uh, on the stream as well. So that, that was a ton of fun. Nice. Let's let's get into the news. There's a lot to cover this week before we get into emails. But uh, yeah, we may as well start chugging our way through that right now. Minecraft Jabba, sorry, not Jabba, that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> Minecraft Jabba the Hutt edition, my boogie. Nice. <laughs> Minecraft Java edition snapshot 22W06A. Changes in the snapshot include compliance updates for gaming laws in South Korea, adding gameplay timers and notices reminding players to take occasional breaks from gameplay. Technical changes in 22W06A include any type of present any type present in registries i.e blocks items biomes etc can now have tags the full technical details are available on the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes fixed bugs of note in 22w06a include structure blocks do not rotate entities correctly when loading super flat world water world preset settings are obsolete for the 118 update Flashing particles in the player's face when boosting upwards with fireworks rockets has been fixed, and parrots dying while using the Riptide enchantment when the parrot is on the player's shoulder has also been fixed. <laughs> it's like putting putting your parrot through a washer dryer. I feel like it's <laughs> using a, using Riptide with a parrot. That's that's gonna be rough on the on on your pet parrot. Uh, there's also been a Bedrock Beta update. It's Bedrock Beta 1.18.20.25. 
Experimental features include frog spawn no longer being invisible when seen from below. Frogs and turtles can now be tempted vertically. Frog light blocks no longer randomly rotate and have uh, gained new textures, so you can place them like logs now and you can control which way they go. The goat horn now makes a sound when the horn breaks off a goat, and an animation is now shown when using the goat horn in both first and third person views. Non-experimental features and bug fixes are outlined in the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. Staying in the world of Bedrock Edition, there is a full update for the regular game. 1.18.10 was released for the regular version of Bedrock Edition, not the beta version, which has added the globe banner pattern. Iron golems now show different degrees of cracking dependent on their health, as they did in Java Edition. Several more textures have been updated to match what they currently look like in Java Edition. The frogs and tadpoles are available from behind the experimental features toggle, and there are a huge amount of bug fixes and parity changes, some long awaited and some long dreaded. These include things like boats no longer disappearing when you get out of them after a long ride, which was an issue that seemed to pop up in 118 and people immediately were on uh, like a, a little bit annoyed about. And finally, stored experience in a furnace can no longer be duplicated, so no more furnace XP glitches. We'll see uh, how that works out for Bedrock players over the next few weeks. In other Minecraft news, Minecraft Dungeons has a Festival of Frost event coming. We'll have a link to the Minecraft.net articles for all of this in our show notes, of course. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons is celebrating 15 million players since launch. And so from February 8th, which was already last week, through February 22nd, players can participate in the Festival of Frost featuring lots of chilly challenges. There are frost-themed floors for the tower, the latest feature to be added to the game, seasonal trials from the Chills and Thrills event are back, and there was an Isologer cape reward for any player that logs in during the event. That's a cape for Minecraft Dungeons, not for regular Minecraft, bear that in mind. There's also a Festival of Frost trailer if you're interested in checking out what all of this looks like, that's over on Minecraft's YouTube channel. Speaking of that, uh, Minecraft now came back for its February edition, the rescheduled Minecraft Now after a couple of conflicts because of uh, studio proximity during COVID, uh, was streamed live on February 10th, 2022. That is archived once again on youtube.com slash Minecraft if you want to check it out. Lydia hosted the second episode of Minecraft Now, this time focused on the three A's, Agnes, Alexander, and Amphibians, mostly talking about the frogs and frog lights, as well as some of the builds on the legendary spawn point. Because of all the bedrock news and stuff that we've covered on the show previously, I don't have a lot to say about frogs and frog lights. I mean, it's, they all are changes that make sense. I kind of feel like they were coming. Yeah, uh, rot the, rotatable the, textures is a very good thing. Like, player control over that stuff yes, is, is nice. 100% agree. Uh, the thing that I was really surprised about was the in-game break reminder. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, I, I get that this is a compliance thing for South Korea and it's probably not going to interfere with most other players' experience outside of South Korea unless similar legislation is enacted other places in the world. But I gotta say, while I understand the need to remind players to take breaks, it's something that I do my best to do anyway just because I'm, you know, conscious of how long I'm taking to do something. As a content creator, I find in-game messaging kind of intrusive, um, but it makes sense, ultimately. Like, you, if you're going to have players who are sticking around on, on a computer for, like, multiple hours long-term, they're 
you know, forgetting to get up, stretch, drink some water, you know, that kind of stuff. I think it is going to be ultimately a good thing. I can't really argue against it because ultimately it's got people's health in mind and I think that's very important and probably more important than Minecraft even for me. But I, yeah, I, I feel like the, the pop-up message in-game, while it's probably only going to be there for a couple of seconds, is just going to interrupt moments like when we're recording videos or streaming or something like that in ways that just feel a little bit like I, I would like the option to disable that if I already know what I'm doing, you know? I agree. And I think that it's something that maybe developers should just include as an option that you can turn on if you like. I think having it on by default uh, is maybe a little bit too much. And I think um, allowing it for potential parental controls makes a lot of sense because yeah. mm -hmm. i mean you and i are adults we're able to get up when we when we need a break um remind ourselves to stretch and all, that kind of stuff it's one of the reasons why i take breaks once an hour on stream is because it's it's just important to do so uh, and i feel better because of it uh, but the um example that i want to use is satisfactory satisfactory optionally uses a two-hour reminder say hey you've been playing the game for two hours you should take a break uh, you can turn it off, which I have done, but very early in the game, I just kind of let it go and I would very often need it to remind me. Like I, I would be like, holy crap, I've spent another two hours on this game. Like I just mm -hmm. saw that reminder and it's come up again. And I think Satisfactory is a good example and Minecraft as well, because it's got that kind of like just one more thing. Like I'm, you're never done. Yeah, You know, like it, some people look at the Minecraft is like finishing it by beating the dragon. But if you're working on a project like, say, my medieval town, like that's not something you finish in a session. And if you're in the right mood and especially with satisfactory, just like everything leads to more task. Every time you finish a task, it then opens up three more. And I can easily spend that much time sitting uh, if I get sucked into a game. So... I like the idea of the in-game reminders. I just think that it needs to be an option that you can turn off, especially for content creators, like you mentioned, uh, for people that would just prefer the immersion. They'd rather set their own timer on their clock, which I do. You know, I've done that before too. Yeah, I, th I think it, it really makes sense to have a toggle for it just so players don't end up modding it out of the game. Because I can easily imagine that being like a, a, a simple fabric mod that's like, um, <laughs> I, I yeah. remember when, when No Man's Sky came out, there was a mod that was just called Shut Up, which was like it, it disabled all of the stuff that your exosuit would say to you when it was like, hey, your fuel reserves are low. It's like, I know, I'm looking at the gauge on the screen. Like, it, it, you don't need <laughs> yeah. to remind me of that every so often, right? And so I, I, I expect like disabling the kind of in-game text box that pops up and says hey you've been playing for a while remember to take a break that's going to be one of the things that ends up getting added as an option in something like optifine or tweakaroo or something where you can you can toggle that off so i think the developers getting in ahead of that and providing the option even if it is again buried in accessibility settings or parental controls or something like that it, it makes sense to have a a toggle for it but you know we're just grousing over something incredibly minor it's the kind of thing that you can ignore and it's not going to be the biggest deal in the world just remember to take care of yourselves folks it's not that hard registries and tags are a bit over my head but yeah, same. <laughs> uh i did i did watch a video from exumavoid about the uh the update and they mentioned that um it's probably big for map makers and mod authors and stuff like that it has some real potential um and and so that's exciting i mean any change like that that gives cr more creation tools to the people that make this cool stuff then i'm i'm on board for that 
Yeah, um, definitely. Like as with any changes to the command language and structure and that kind of stuff, it it always goes a little bit over my head as a core survival player. But I appreciate that people are able to do fantastic stuff with that. So yeah, looking forward to seeing the uh, the impact that has on the more creative community. I'm also happy to no longer have smoke particles in my face when I'm flying upwards oh, with gosh. rockets. Yeah, that's such a big change for people like us who fly around with Elytra a whole bunch of the time. And didn't you just sort of accept that as like, well, that's just always going to be there. That's just like the way yeah. the particles render. And the fact that they've just like taken that out is going to be a relief. Like the amount of times I've... I think I've ended up editing around that sometimes in videos. Yeah. Like I'll I'll scrub my footage a little bit to one side just so it doesn't end up um you know, like flashing in somebody's face as they you know, as as the next clip begins. So yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that change. That's something that kind of came out of nowhere and I wasn't exactly, you know, looking forward to that. Like it was a an expected feature, but a very happy to see that's been fixed. It reminds me of something that I've changed that obviously they want in game, but uh, I've changed the particle effect texture on beacons to like nearly 100% transparent. So you mm -hmm. can barely see it when you've got those little particles flickering around you because very often I'd be trying to take screenshots in places where there's beacons and I'd have these stupid swirls in my yeah. screenshots and it would drive me nuts. Yeah. And I think I think if you, I think you don't see them if you turn on um, spectator mode or if you've hit your f1 key or something and remove you all set, the ui set particles to minimal or whatever but then something yeah, that, like that yeah that changes a bunch of other stuff that you might want to have in the shot for whatever reason right exactly exactly so stuff like this is just nice to have removed and i'm i'm like you it was so quirky i just exp i just didn't even realize that it was a bug i just thought this is just kind of janky in how minecraft mm -hmm. works you know yes yes definitely a uh, quick reminder for folks who are playing on bedrock edition that you can now get the Minecraft beta for Bedrock Edition if you're on Xbox, Windows 10, or iOS through the new app Minecraft Preview. Uh, that allows you to have a separate version of Minecraft for beta versions so that you don't have to enroll your main Bedrock install in the beta program. So uh, there is still a, a really helpful help.minecraft.net article. We'll have that linked in our show notes as well if you're unfamiliar with what Minecraft Preview is, but they have mentioned it a couple of times over the last little while, and it's going to be really helpful for people who want to get a look into the beta features, the stuff that's not even behind the experimental toggle in the most recent Bedrock update. It's it's worth a look if you're that kind of person. Um, and, and again, staying in the Bedrock realm a little bit here, I've seen a good handful of players from Bedrock kind of disappointed that the Furnace XP glitch is being removed from the game without an alternative really being offered. And a lot of folks have compared this to the fact that the piglin aggro mechanics that allow it for uh, to, to, to be sort of farmed exponentially uh, for XP on Java Edition are basically not being taken out until Skulk is implemented and you can store XP through Skulk blocks, which is a bit more of a manual process, but still something that's being presented as an alternative. Whereas Bedrock players are just having the rug pulled out of uh, from under them with with furnace xp being the easiest way to you know accumulate xp right now and while i i think i agree with the developer's perspective here that that's clearly a glitch and is not meant to be the intended way of getting xp and it almost feels like too little effort is being expended for the reward which that effort reward balance has clearly been on their minds lately but i do think it's kind of a shame that bedrock players don't have you know, as much access to XP from stuff like mob farms, because mob farms are less efficient than they are in Java Edition, they have this whole other version of the game that they are going to be comparing themselves to a lot. And yeah, it, it seems like a bit of a shame that 
there isn't really a viable alternative for this beyond making a more complicated farm like an overworld gold farm for XP or something like that. Would furnaces be the number one source for XP in a peaceful playthrough? Yeah, I expect so. Um, and while peaceful players maybe have less reason to enchant their equipment, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. Um, and you can still, you can get a decent amount of XP by going and mining out like a huge copper vein or iron vein. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's a, a variety of places you can get XP from. You have a fairly in, in, uninterrupted mining experience in the nether if you want to go and grab some quartz for XP and that kind of stuff. But again, those are things which are a little bit of a pain to return to and you have to go further and further in order to get the results you want so yeah not having like relatively easy xp on your doorstep the way you would with a a furnace setup is a little bit of a shame what do you say we move on to chunk mail yeah, let's do that. Um, if you'd like to email the show, and quick reminder that Sliced Lime may be joining us next week, hopefully, fingers crossed. So if you want to get an email in for that show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And once again, a quick reminder just to keep your emails short to the point and have a pretty descriptive subject line so that we understand what you're emailing in about. This first email is a lovely concise one that comes in from Tarsiris, a landscape artist member of our Discord, and the subject is adding new villages. Hi Joel and Johnny, you spoke a few weeks ago about new villager trades, but do you think the next update might be a good time for a whole new village? With the update coming to swamps, it seems like a great time to actually add swamp villages. Right now we just have the semi-secret swamp villager outfit. Part of me is disappointed that the only mountain villages are in meadows, and meadows villagers don't get a unique outfit or style of house. Maybe the wild update is not the right place for a village update, as villagers aren't exactly wild. Maybe later, with the archaeology update? Thanks for the show. Tarsiris left to join a new village. I always enjoy these taglines where they don't die. <laughs> They're <laughs> yeah, usually but, more inventive, right? There's a bit less morbid for once, which is, is yeah, lovely, yeah. yes. And le left to join a new village and recruit some librarians and things, I expect. Um, so have you ever built a village in a swamp or bred villages in a swamp to get that specific outfit? I have not, but I've seen you do some swamp village stuff on yeah. on streams and on, on your... I think it was season two, right? Did you do that? Uh, or I, not season I, two, I, season one. I did a season one thing back when one fourteen originally came out, when the Village and Pillage update came out. I realized that I'd been to some of the other villages. I had villages basically on my doorstep. I'd got a couple of villages in my house even. But I thought, why not go and find a jungle and a swamp that are next to each other so I can make a combined village with the two secret outfits. Um, so I ended up building a jungle swamp village. That <laughs> It turned out the nearest place where a jungle and a swamp overlapped was about 7,000 blocks from spawn. So that was quite a journey but um yeah i i've i've done that and it's fun to make your own village and i feel like that's like where mojang are coming from i think the the agency for that is being left in the players hands a little bit and otherwise we'd be tripping over villages in multiple biomes you know like there are five village types in the game so far they're all in biomes which are relatively speaking distant from each other um, you te you don't tend to find like a desert village and a snow village adjoining each other very often. Um, so I think you can find ways of working villages in or villagers in without it necessarily being an entire new village structure and like new kind of ways of laying out the houses and pathways and that kind of stuff. And I think too that 
jungles are akin to mountains in that I think it's difficult to have a naturally spawned village look cool in those uh-huh. environments without looking like you're just like stamping it in the middle of the biome. Like trees are going to be half spawned. Uh, we've got we've got a discussion on the Citadel about a mountain village that I, I guess technically is in a meadow, um, but it's like it's all over the place. It looks like it got blown up because it's like half in a cave and half in a mountain. And it <laughs> yeah. just it it's a cool idea, but it doesn't look very good. And so if we keep it, the project is like we have to fix it, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. so it doesn't look so so awful. Oh, um, I I just thought along those lines, I imagine jungles and swamps being the worst place for villager pathfinding because oh, you think yeah. about the amount of a jungle floor which is covered in leaves and has like two block high areas that you can fall down into, but you have to hack your way out with a pair of shears or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine how many villagers would just get stuck in a one block hole and then a creeper walks in with them and then they are basically dead to me you know they're irretrievable um i kid of course but i do think like swamps uh, are another example of this where there's so much water around that if you don't end up generating a village in what feels like a very linear fashion where you create a large area of land for the village to sit on you end up with villagers just kind of bobbing up and down in the water which slows them down and they don't really have any way of getting back to their houses quickly at night and then the entire village just gets killed by zombies so i i think part of the reason even though we have these kind of fun extra outfits that it's nice to to generate ourselves and breed villagers in there and cure zombie villagers to get the the extra outfits you then end up building them into a trading hall or somewhere that's going to be a little bit safer because if you build you know walkway platforms kind of paths between them that are raised up from the swamp they're just going to walk off those into the water and then the villagers get stuck i think yeah. it's, it's not really the best environment for the villagers ai and that might be the reason we don't have villagers in those locations in the first place and i think the lack of villages in the new mountain biomes is like you mentioned you there's a number of different villages you understand that villages can have different styles here's some new biomes why don't you build your own village in Mm -hmm. like you know a viking style or a a ski lodge or like whatever it is that you want to do i think that's kind of encouraging players to do that have them all like walk out into powdered snow and then drop through and (laughs) all that kind of stuff oh Um, right i forgot about powdered snow yeah. Um, the the other thing about swamps, as the example Tarsiris left in the email, is that an- the other residents of swamps right now are witches. Um, you get witch huts spawning in swamps, and while they are kind of linked to villages, and that was made even clearer in the Village and Pillage update when they introduced more illagers and kind of tied those in, I think it'd be strange for a village to be either right next door to a witch hut, considering witches, when a raid starts, are hostile towards the villagers, or alternatively, if you generate a village in a swamp and that pushes the witch hut further away, similar to how on Java edition, at least, outposts don't spawn near villages because you don't want the pillagers to come in and immediately kill all of the villagers and just right. be respawning there constantly. Like, if you do the same thing in swamps, you end up with the witch hut being pushed out because it needs to make space for the village and the witch hut can't be within a certain radius. And that means witch huts just end up becoming even rarer than they already are because they have additional conditions that they have to meet in order to generate in the first place. And I I went through a couple of swamps in my world before I even found a witch hut. So I think it's kind of necessary that those structures still exist and exist in a way that's relatively accessible to the player. Our next email comes in from Levi D. Hot bar swapping. Hi, Joel and Pix. 
I've been thinking about inventory management. What if we had a hotkey similar to the F key swapping items currently? When the key would swap an item in the hop bar and replace it with an item directly above it in your inventory. I would use this to switch from my fortune pick to a silk touch pick or vice versa. I'd go from using an ax to digging with a shovel. I would also uh, like this idea to essentially make the hop bar twice the size without expanding your storage at all. What do you guys think? Levi lived in the caves happily ever after because there are no bad guys on the Mooshroom Island. Hey, there we go. Another happy ending to <laughs> to one of these emails. Um, yeah, so this is... Effectively, it's like swapping your hotbar slots one at a time without having to open your inventory, right? So I think that's the... Yeah the key to this because i already use the number keys to move stuff in and out of my hotbar a lot but that has to be done with the inventory open and then mouse hovering over the item and then hitting five to swap let's say like my axe is usually in that slot that's swapping that with a bow or or with you know some other kind of block that i want to build with that kind of thing um yeah there's a couple of mods that add things like swapping your entire hotbar but i do think swapping items one at a time is a little bit more appealing I'm fast enough with the mouse that I don't even bother with the hotkeys. It's and it's also because I've just for whatever reason, even with like first person shooter games, I've never used the hotkeys to switch guns. I've always just used the mouse wheel. Mm -hmm. So for me, rotating through my hotbar, I'm using the mouse wheel to scroll up and down. I'm not touching the keys. And I know that's kind of like a noob way to do it, but whatever. It's how I learned. It's like me and typing on a phone. I use one finger because I've got big hands on a small phone. <laughs> I mean, whatever uh, works for you as well. Like yeah, it's it's, exactly. it's the, the learned habits of playing certain types of games. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I'm surprisingly fast to type on a phone mm -hmm. uh, with one finger. Certainly I'm faster on a phone than I am on a keyboard. I can tell you that uh, in terms of one finger on a keyboard, I type normally because I know how to type. <laughs> Uh, but with with this, I think the challenge would be the the GUI. I think it would be it's a cool idea. I like the idea of swapping items, but I think that communicating it to the player that you can do that would be challenging. I I don't know whether you highlight like slots one, two, and three on your hotbar. Maybe they're slightly bluish or something like and and along with a a color above them in the inventory that makes sense. Uh, maybe it's a different thing altogether. I don't know how you would actually communicate that to the player in game without it having to be something you look up in a wiki or learn on YouTube. Um, the other thing that I, I've seen in other games would be like having a separate hotbar for your tools or, or a separate slot in your inventory for your tools that you could then rotate through. Uh, I've liked that feature in the past, but then like that gets into like expanding the inventory and it gets, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, in terms of like, adding this feature like is it something that would be available immediately because you don't need it your first day in minecraft you know mm -hmm. like you've i barely even have a full hotbar for the first few hours i play the game until i start to build something um so would it be something that you'd have to unlock you know like i i i like the concept of faster switching but i don't know how it gets implemented from like a gui gameplay standpoint yeah, that's the problem, really, because the ability to do this stuff on the fly is obviously appealing. Um, I'm not certain how many keys we have left on the keyboard, <laughs> even for yeah, stuff like this. And too. The, the availability of it being like related to the number row makes a lot of sense because we already use the numbers one through nine to select items in the hotbar. The F number row is already taken up by various other functions in Java Minecraft 
So it's going to be like a combination. It's going to be like an alt one, alt five, whatever it happens to be. I believe even in like in creative mode, you can hit control one or something like that, and it actually saves a hotbar for you to be able to reload later. There's there's something along those lines, um, but it's not really something you can implement in survival in the same way. And to to you know springboard off of that, it'd be even less viable on Bedrock Edition. And the right. absence of stuff like the bundle from recent updates when that was more or less a finished feature for Java edition, but we're fairly certain has been held back because of like concerns about how it would be implemented on Bedrock. There's an emphasis on parity that we see a lot more from the Java and Bedrock sides of development recently. That's kind of leading me to assume that quality of life updates, while they won't be gone from Java edition entirely, are going to be given higher priority if they can be implemented on both versions simultaneously. So any kind of keyboard shortcut trickery and stuff you can add to Java Edition is all very well. What does that mean for a Bedrock player who plays with an Xbox controller or a touchscreen? Um, I think stuff like that is what's going to be on their minds and is also potentially the reason why more keyboard shortcut options haven't been given to Windows players on Bedrock Edition because there are many fewer of those than there are people playing on mobile devices. What's next in the mailbag? Uh, this one comes in from Minabat, whose subject is returning old features. Hi, throughout Minecraft history, there have been many features removed or only present in the game's code. Recently, many of these features have been re-added. Things like crying obsidian, lanterns, lecterns, etc. What are some of these old features you would like to see re-added to the game, or at least to inspire a new feature? Personally, as a redstone, I would love to see something be done with gears, which were supposed to be redstone before redstone was added. They could be a component that can rotate rotatable blocks like pistons, or it could be more ambitious and become a whole subcategory of redstone like slime machines or command blocks. Other features I would like are an isometric screenshot, the custom world type, and tables and chairs. What would you like to see? Minor Bat was crushed by a giant zombie. Oh, we're back to tragedy again. I like how they fit one more feature. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that they wanted into the <laughs> into the, it in at the end there. <laughs> probably the stealthiest a giant zombie has ever been and i i will be honest like i've i've looked into some of the removed or kind of proposed features that have never made it into the game at all and some of those are hilariously bad i want to say and some of them are are just kind of plain silly um obviously giants illusioners zombie horses are the ones that sprung to mind first because they are as our correspondent suggested, still in the code. You can summon them using commands. Giants are basically 40-foot-tall zombies that don't do anything. I, I don't believe they even have AI. And you can give them AI if you code it into a data pack or something, but they don't really do a whole lot, and they are impractical. <laughs> if you look at them in-game, the fact that this giant thing with huge feet is still beholden to the same block physics that everyone else is so when it walks up a block it has to kind of lumber up them very mechanical looking it's the reason we don't have larger mobs in the game is because the physics of it just doesn't look right and so while i would like them to do something like that or just remove those from the game for the sake of like tidiness i guess uh it's the kind of thing where i doubt we'll see one approach or the other because i think a few i've even seen giants used on like multiplayer servers in like minigame areas where they'll they'll have a giant just standing on one side of this lobby area and it's dressed up with blocks and it's kind of decorated or like held back with chains or something like that so people are doing stuff with them they're just not a fully fledged feature in the same way i've seen a data pack i believe we have it on the citadel that 
increases the size of phantoms the longer that you haven't slept. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And it just, it, I mean, really, it just makes them easier to shoot <laughs> because they're bigger, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but, but it's fun. And it's, it just, it adds a little bit of variety. And because it's a flying mob, uh, which I think would work with swimming mobs as well, um, the mechanics don't, it's not as bad, provided it doesn't try to fly down and touch the blocks. Like, but in the sky, it doesn't look too out of place yeah, because the, it's not, the not rising and falling in the same way. Yeah, yeah, the physics still makes sense with it. Um, quick note on tables and chairs. There's actually a data pack that we do use that I quite like called uh, Chuck Chuck's Tables and Chairs uh, for use on the Citadel. It, it's not a mod. It's a vanilla data pack. It um, implements uh, tables and chairs into the game in a very um, vanilla-esque way, I think. Uh, there are some models and things included in the pack, like chandeliers that don't look like vanilla Minecraft, but the base models for all the tables and chairs do do work uh, much better than pretending that a pressure plate on a fence post or a stair is a chair. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're looking for the stuff like that, then maybe give that a try. Um, I imagine block rotation is a technical hurdle for like just Minecraft programming and redstone. And like, is it just one block that rotates do other blocks get rotated if it's stuck with slime? Do you need a special axis block like you do with the create mod? Uh, do you also need a rocket ship computer to then rotate things in Minecraft? <laughs> like, yeah. I can see it get very complicated very quickly. As much as I would love to be able to do something small like a five by five door that swings open on a hinge rather than having to do like a piston door or a falling piston door or something like that with a flying machine. Um, I don't want to minimize the ingenuity of redstone design and all that kind of cool stuff that people have been forced to design if they want to have these large kind of doors. But at the same time, um, I like I do. Part of me wants rotating blocks for things like how cool would it be if your windmill moved? You know, like mm -hmm. stuff like that is is appealing. Um, I'm not as familiar as, as others are with features missing from the game because I haven't really been playing that long in the grand scheme of things, about four to five years, maybe before. Uh, and uh, I did look a few things up. And one thing I noticed was that there used to be a cloth block in the game that had more colors than the standard 16 colors that we're used to. Now, it's not as robust as, say, dyeing something with leather but it would be kind of cool to have some blocks in Minecraft that you could dye in more than just those 16 colors. I don't know if that means it opens up Pandora's box of being able to dye glass and, and, and terracotta, all those other colors, especially with terracotta, because I don't know how that would work because of the way that that goes weird with the, the brown undertone. But um, I think it would be really cool because I don't work with wool very much if there was a smoother colored block that allowed you to have different materials with it. Like, you know, having um, like a, a light orange or a medium brown or a beige or like just doesn't have to be 256, but it could be like maybe 32 different colors. I think that could be a fun old mechanic brought in uh, new. Um, the other thing that I noticed on the wiki article, which I'll link in the show notes about um, removed features from the game was um, the far lands and I'm using giant air quotes. It really sounds like more of a chunk error or some loading errors that basically made floating islands in the sky. And of all the new things that they could add, you know, looking ahead in terms of, I realize we already just got some incredible changes with 118, but a new biome of floating islands to me does not feel un-Minecrafty. And the far lands kind of has that 
that vibe to it as far as a, a previous thing removed from the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's there's a few things that are just interesting glitches that occurred back in the day and people sort of think of them as features now like the far lands was kind of one of them and, and i i still occasionally get people asking me if the far lands still exist and i'm like no because the code is more mathematically sound now i believe is the way it works but yeah there's a there's a few bits and pieces like things like seasons like there are there are ideas that they've floated that have always kind of been in the back of people's minds and always seem like they'd be a good idea until you consider the practicality of how some of them would work and like th there are various other bits and pieces there's a, a mentioned features article on the minecraft wiki that is almost as comprehensive as and, and almost as, as rich as the removed features article and that's that's got a bunch of of really interesting stuff that has just been mentioned offhand once that the the developers have kind of vaguely said like yeah maybe we'll do this in future and and back as far as like the 2010s and people have clung to those ideas like when are they going to put red dragons into the game you know there's there's a ton of stuff like that and i i don't know how much of that is really stuff that you can consider having been removed uh, when it never really existed in the first place. But I think the fact that they were able to return to those wells of ideas for stuff like Crying Obsidian, which was originally going to be a spawn point before beds existed and things like that, I think it's testament to how there are no bad ideas in Minecraft. There's just a right way to implement them when the, uh, the time is right. I like the idea of, rather than just adding old features, both in being inspired by them like have, having taking an idea like that and running with it and seeing what you can do in modern minecraft now that we have more resources available it's it's coded differently there are different features in the game to consider when you're adding in stuff that's really really old like how does that complicate the stuff that's in that's new that people love you know mm -hmm. absolutely yeah next email comes from dean b online biome finders hi joel and johnny I just wanted to get your opinions about using online biome finders like Mine Atlas and Chunkbase to find new biomes. Personally, I like to use them whenever I am ready to establish a base, both starter bases and mega bases, when I have a specific build in mind. I can, it can also be helpful finding new terrain like the big mountains in 118. However, I know that some people don't like using them and would rather explore for themselves. Dean fell out of the world because the owner of the realm had access to commands. <laughs> what did you do, <laughs> Dean? What did you do? Um, yeah, I think this kind of opens up the can of worms that the cheating discussion usually brings with it. Yeah. Like, is it cheating to use external tools to look up this stuff? To which my answer is a pretty flat no. Um, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you aren't yeah, yeah, annoying the owner of your realm <laughs> who shouldn't have given you the seed in the first place if you're going to go and look stuff up against their wishes. But it's about whether or not you're cheating anybody else out of an experience that they would be having otherwise. Like, does it mean that you can go and rush the stronghold and kill the dragon when other people want to explore organically? Maybe consider not doing that. I feel like that's that's where I draw the line. Um, lately, I've been avoiding it myself for the sake of spending more time exploring the world's natural terrain, since that was so much of a focus of 118. But I entirely agree with Dean's example, which is, you know, if you know what you want to do, if you want to start a base somewhere, if you've got a specific biome in mind, you're like, I want to go and build like a 
Martian landscape, like, you know, moon base kind of style thing out in a mesa where I can completely surround myself with terrain. There aren't any other biomes nearby. I want to make sure that I've got a large enough badlands that I can do that and it feels immersive to me. Spending that amount of time, like, walking around the world if you don't have a light tree yet or whatever, is just going to be a bit of a pain. And no, not everybody has a chance to explore Minecraft that comprehensively before they consider where they want to settle down. I think for me, it comes down to how much time you have to play Minecraft versus what fun you would have doing it in game. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with using those tools. We use them all the time on the Citadel. Um, but we are all in agreement on that they are okay to use. Uh, in the same way that I have uh, some admins on the server uh, and some people that have permission to switch into creative mode because they're content creators and they want to be able to take screenshots without having to fly around with Elytra and trying to snap the picture at the right time. And we just trust one another to not use creative mode to then give yourself resources or switch into spectator if you're an admin and go look for things underground, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um so for us, it's just a matter of communication on the server and, and what we know is is fine. The other thing that we did on the Citadel was we didn't really start to use things like um, Mine Atlas. What was the other one that we used? It wasn't Chunk Base. It was a, a Midst was the one that I think. I don't yeah. know if it's updated recently, but we used Mine that Atlas, back in like... Mine Atlas doesn't work anymore. It hasn't been updated since 1.8. So if you're right. trying to map stuff in a 118 world, you won't find any useful information there. It's it's pre-118 only uh, for, for yeah. Mine Atlas. I, I've used Chunkbase. I don't find it a very good website because the interface is so tiny. It's hard to kind of see your world at a glance. But uh, the way that we did it was um, we would find these things naturally in game. So you'd find a slime chunk and then you'd use it. You know, you would um, find the first end fortress traditionally with ender pearls and like experience that gameplay. But when it comes time to find your third or fourth end fortress, we're just like, just look it up on a map. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. just, yeah, just, you know, once you've done it in game uh, and you've, and you have those skills and you've had that experience or everyone has, then, then we just kind of default to maps. And for us uh, on a, a forever world, for the lack of a better term for it, uh, when we were looking for the 118 area, like we are considering putting up a permanent spot that people are teleporting to designated as the 118 area. We wanted to make sure that there was a lush cave, a, a dripstone biome and a mountain nearby. We didn't want to spend days looking for it in game. Tell you right now, flying around and creative in the Citadel Seed alone to just figure out where some of the stuff could be. <laughs> took long enough i can't imagine yeah. doing it in survival and that's with the help of maps so like there's some things that i think like it just boils down to like how much time you have if it's more fun for you to just find the location quickly on a map and then do the cool thing uh like uh, dmb mentioned you know um mega bases like um having the exact space to spend all of your time you don't want to build in the first, well, you mentioned the Badlands, so I'll use that as an example. You don't want to build in the first Badlands that you come across that looks big enough only two days later to find a bigger one 200 blocks away that you didn't know was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you want to kind of see like the top down view really, really does help. I now play with a, a, a map mod because we use modded to increase the performance on the game. I use a map mod in game to, to look down on, on stuff. I don't use it to explore, but I use it to like, gauge the scale and gauge where I can build stuff. And I find it incredibly helpful to the point where I don't even think about it like a mod anymore. I just think about it like my Minecraft gameplay experience. 
Yeah, and, and that kind of also goes back to something from Minabat's email that we glossed over. There used to be an isometric screenshot feature back in, I think, like the InfDev build of oh, Minecraft, right. and that sounds like a really cool idea, but also ends up feeling a little bit cheaty if you're getting an overview of your surroundings instead of a screenshot from the player's perspective. Once you've built a bunch of stuff, though, it'd be really cool to generate that without having to export your world to another tool like Chunky to render it or something like that. And I've seen a couple of really neat like isometric views of existing worlds like built up servers and stuff like that which are are always super fun to look at but yeah like i i think in this case i'm probably going to end up exploring so much of this world and staying in this world for so long that eventually it's going to get to the point where i've either got an in-game map that's going to show me where everything is going to go or if i haven't spent the time doing that i will know where the biome is roughly but being able to pinpoint it more exactly using an overviewer tool like Amidst is going to be so much more helpful when I'm like, where was that one swamp that was next to this biome but not next to that one and also had a witch hut and I was thinking about setting some stuff up there or I left a chest there and I need to go back and get it for some fairly trivial things. It's just going to help in small ways and not ways that feel like you're revealing the entire progression of the game to yourself and that part wouldn't be fun anymore. You know, like, ultimately it comes down to what is more fun, like you said. And I do think if you're having fun finding biomes that way so that you can get to the fun part of the game for yourself, then there is absolutely no harm in it in my book. Let's move on to our fifth email. We'll probably have time for the, the last one here as well. Uh, this one comes in from Kagan W with the subject of Enhanced Ender Chests. Hello Joel and Pix, I have several mines at different layers in my world, and a theme of my mining village is that bulk storage is at every mine. I had an idea that I had not heard mentioned before. It would be nice to have two different kinds of ender chests. For example, one set of ender chests could be for building blocks and supplies, and another ender chest could be for extra gear. Both sets would work the same, but would not be compatible. You could have red ender chests that share inventory with red ender chests, and blue ender chests that share inventory with their counterparts. I think that would be useful in mining in 118, and maybe help with the constant inventory clutter problem. Not exactly a fix for that, but it could help a bit. Thanks for a great podcast, Kagan. I really find this idea interesting. I don't know how you would put it behind gameplay effort. Like, do you have to enchant the ender chest to get this feature? Do you just die it? That seems kind of straightforward. Um, does it feel redundant with shulker boxes? But at the same time, they did mention that it's not going to um, be able to interact with itself. So a red ender chest would not interact with a black ender chest for example mm -hmm. um so you can't have infinite kind of like storage but having one of each um would be cool but then like well what like if you if you brought it with you <laughs> then i like i guess the idea there is there is that if you have a red ye yellow and blue sh um ender chest on you and you die in lava or something or you fall into the void where the shulker boxes would be gone forever the contents of those ender chests would be safe at home wherever you happen to put them. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is, is interesting, maybe a little bit overpowered. Um, and does it encroach on the forbidden idea of shulkers inside of shulkers, you know, like, yeah, potentially a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
depending on how it was implemented, because there, there have been mods that have tackled this idea pretty well. Uh, one I remember working with is Ender Storage, which was in a, a um, I think the Forever Stranded mod pack a while ago that I played. And that has a different ender chest crafting recipe for an ender chest that has effectively a diable three color combination embedded into the lid. And any combination that had the same any any chest that had the same combination of colors say if you went red blue red or something like that then if you put red blue red on the chest somewhere else then those two inventories oh. would link but it'd be effectively like an entire library like of different color combinations that would have different ender chest functionality and you could even use that to set up ender chests linked to hoppers because it was guaranteed which inventory that they were going to pull out of and if all the players on a server shared it, then they'd say, okay, so if you do, like, white, blue, red, that's going to be the hopper chest that's just going to drain into our shared storage system, for example. And that way you can have, yeah, something like that, which is shared amongst all players but isn't tied to your player data. It's more saved in the world data. Um, so that's that's a really interesting way of basically having this same sort of problem. I, I agree it feels a little bit overpowered and there may be ways of balancing that within vanilla Minecraft's ecosystem that just weren't necessary for modded because modded was just throwing a bunch of ideas at it. But I think stuff like that has potential. I don't know if it's necessarily... It's the same as the um, inventory expansion idea where just give us more inventory slots. It's like eventually you're going to fill up both of those as well and you're going to want another thing. <laughs> like it's it's difficult to know when to stop when it comes to giving the player more storage space and then by the same token giving them twice as many inventory slots to look through when they're looking for one particular thing. Um, but but it's interesting the, the different solutions the community has come up to resolve that. And I think the end of storage mod, uh, which I'll pop a link to in the show notes is a good place to start i've seen this played with i think maybe in one of iskal's um series but i and i and i like the idea of it and i feel like it's one of those things where it really works for modded when the block library and your inventory really demand this kind of storage control but then to take that exact thing and move it into vanilla minecraft it feels like overkill even though our inventory and and block palettes and and Minecraft now are really starting to get, you know, a, a little bit cumbersome. Um, I say that with a grain of salt, but like it just, it's, I, I like the idea of the programmable, but then like, do we need that many combinations? Like, I'm wondering if the, the dying of the chests is like a really simple version of that, you know, mm -hmm. red chest goes to red chest. Maybe you don't use it for storage at all. Maybe you're using it to transport iron from your iron farm clear across the map. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe you're using it to uh, bring stuff in and out of the spawn chunks. You know, like there's there's a couple of implementations that are not just storage that I can see linked chests, multiple kinds of linked chests uh, to be a cool way. And if that's the case, does it have to be an ender chest or should it be limited? Like should should it be something that can be destroyed? Like what if instead of uh, died ender chests, although that's probably the most straightforward way to approach it from a player perspective, what if they were linked shulker boxes somehow where the shulker box is still vulnerable if it if it gets destroyed with stuff in it, then all that stuff is gone, but maybe they're sending stuff to and from one another from across long distances. I don't know. It's just, it's a really interesting concept to play with and I find it takes my brain into like dead ends and then also 
infinite forks at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it's it's difficult to figure out where all of that stuff would fit in the world of vanilla Minecraft. Like, and yeah. and, and effectively give us an excuse for why this stuff hasn't been available to us before. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. the idea that the end has existed for this long, and now we've only just figured out that if you add an ender pearl into a shulker box it becomes this trans-dimensional like shulker box it, it's a an interesting concept but i'm sure the team has spitballed a bunch of ideas like this internally and will maybe have something in mind like this when they go into expanding players storage options and and working on the the overall the growing inventory management problem it's a great email kagan really really appreciate it yes thanks for writing in Last one, bit of whimsy coming in from Wildcard, emerging mob animations. Hey, Johnny and Joel, I was rewatching the Minecraft live footage when I thought, what if other mobs could use the warden's emerge animation behavior? Imagine walking through a spruce forest in the middle of the night, you are a braver person than I am, when you <laughs> see zombies and skeletons emerging from the ground in the distance. Imagine how much more immersive this would feel. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the great podcast. Wild card was turned into rotten flesh by zombies. Serves mm-hmm. you right walking <laughs> yeah. through the woods at night. What did you expect was going to happen? Exactly. Uh, and for people who haven't seen this, there is test footage of the warden where it effectively rises up from the ground in a cloud of skulk particles and sort of pulls itself out of the earth. It's very, very creepy looking. <laughs> and I think that might be why, in addition to like the amount of work from the art department that this would take, mm-hmm. uh, why we don't see it on zombies and skeletons, because it might be a little bit too creepy for the very young players uh, or for cultures where like undead is really taboo, you know, like there's some not every like culture is North American and loving the Walking Dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, like I I believe in China, it's the skeletons aren't in the game because like right. I think I think skeletons aren't allowed in media like that as like an enemy or anything like that. It's sort of disrespectful, I believe. Yeah, there was a there was a model change for the undead race in World of Warcraft in China as well. They didn't have bones showing, like they were zombie-esque but they couldn't be corpse-like they had yeah. to have like that everything had to be covered they had to be full fully skinned so to speak mm-hmm. um but yeah so I, I i you could still do it uh and i mean i'm all here for it i think it would be really really interesting rather than seeing these things blip into existence which remind you you're playing a video game um i think having zombies crawl out from under the ground would be cool imagine skeletons kind of like coming up out of the ground but then sitting up kind of vampire style like just straight up and stiff you know uh Mm -hmm. with their bows outstretched like there's all kinds of really fun stuff you could do enderman could like a portal could create could happen and they could walk out of the portal and the portal could disappear really simple like it doesn't have to be you know incredibly complex but the other thing that you run into is like none of these things have elbows or knees (laughs) and as a former animator like getting them to look remarkably you know normal coming out of the ground would be challenging i just think it could be really really cool um the cartoonist in me also thinks you could go the side of whimsy and rather than the zombies creepily climbing out of the ground maybe the ground kind of spits them out kind of like a you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like kind of like a mario game where there's like a little mound and all of a sudden the zombie kind of gets through like removed from the ground as opposed to climbing out it's kind of the ground is like i'm done you taste awful just you know spit them out that kind of stuff could be kind of fun and once you start applying that to other mobs like you know the witch could just blink into existence with a little bit of you know magic powder 
you know, a f- particle effects, like just enough. <laughs> Smoke <to> make... bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Just, but just, just enough so that it's not the mob appearing out of nowhere. Right. Cause you've been there at dusk when you're looking out over a plains biome and all of a sudden blink, 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 blink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, they just exist. Right. That, that's exactly that, the, the sound effect that I imagine them making as well. I just, <laughs> I'm too far away. I can't hear it. Yeah. And and you and again you could make something less creepy with sound effects that are not creepy. Like rather than, you know, crunching and grinding and clawing, you could have like again, Mario type kind of like bop on the head noises or um I mean the the skeletons already rattle around like bones. So like you could have stuff like that. I think it would work. Yeah, I think the the main thing this comes up upon is is like resource usage like i i think mm-hmm. the, the reason they can do it with the warden in the first place is because there's only one of it or at least as far as we know you're only going to summon one of them at a time but yeah th- there's a lot of you know animation and stuff has to be put into into that and it feels like an experience for a particular type of creature that they're trying to craft your player experience around um, we talked about this before about being able to control the environment being so difficult with a sandbox game where they're trying to make the warden into a horror experience where horror is best experienced in an area where you feel like you don't have as much control over your surroundings and it becomes less scary when you see it happening multiple times and in clear view of the audience so that means if you're watching all of these zombies rising out of the earth and skeletons kind of popping up and stuff it feels less scary because you just become accustomed to it and so that's how they keep stuff like the warden staying scary aside from the resource usage side of things like there's there's so much going on in terms of where the mob's hitbox is at the time is it invulnerable when it's climbing out of the earth when does it then become vulnerable like can it still damage the player while it's doing that and also the fact that that would add spawning time into a lot of these mobs means that the technical community gets annoyed with it because suddenly their mob farms are way less efficient because instead of having to spawn the mobs uh, instantly and having them all flushed off a water platform some of them are still kind of clambering out of the the floor not to mention i just realized this if they're spawning on the top half of a slab floating in the air it looks like they're just pulling themselves out of nowhere (laughs) because they're just going to be like there's a half block space that an entire zombie is emerging from like out of a you know mary poppins magic bag kind of thing so I, i do think there's there's certain practical implications of it that like while it's i love the idea and i i love the fact that minecraft itself could become more kind of stylized as a result it doesn't feel like it's going to happen just because of a million other things <laughs> that could potentially make it look a little bit weird to play a little devil's advocate there i can i could forgive a zombie coming out of a block like that because we live in a minecraft world with multiple dimensions and things that teleport oh, yeah. and move around and stuff like that and for the tactical players like maybe it only happens on certain blocks like maybe only stone and grass or dirt like just just the organic blocks that it would make sense that they're climbing out of you know like maybe they can't climb out of iron blocks or or bricks or things like that um again i don't know whether that makes it too complicated but yeah i just it it sounds like a lot of fun and i i kind of wonder if there's room for other animations if if anything happens where minecraft becomes you know efficient enough where they could add stuff like that that would add that kind of flavor to the game i think it could go a long way i've seen some mods for even um the passive mobs in the game like cows and dogs and and, and cats and stuff where they have 
alternate animations where they kind of like they'll do different kind of static things just on loops and it just it's a little bit more immersion um but i i think that having a little bit more animation to the things that we in- interact with in minecraft goes a long way We've had a lovely bunch of emails today. Thank you so much, everybody, for writing in. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. And because of your awesome support, we have unlocked the february minecraft audio hangout that's going to be happening later on this month so keep your eyes peeled in the discord for that we have one additional patron from last week we're at 331 the highest we've ever seen it and we'd love for it to continue growing special thanks to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them they should listen. And you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, even YouTube. Really, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find The Spawn Chunks. You can email us at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I'll be doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which rumour suggests should be starting up again sometime soon. You can find us through a quick search on YouTube. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, at thecitadelcafe.com. Myself and Lou talked about the Book of Boba Fett season finale last week. It was a lot of fun. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I play All of Fabric 5 on Fridays and build on The Citadel on weekends. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and it's worth looking at from time to time.